Sub Pop was an independent record label that rose to fame by putting out albums by several Seattle rock bands before they got huge and had teenagers rocking Doc Martens and flannels. While the label is still around today, they're best known for releasing early material from Nirvana, Soundgarden, Mudhoney, L7, and more. In today's episode of Prisoners of Rock and Roll, we're taking a look at Sub Pop Records and the role they played in the Seattle music scene. We're going to read their famous rejection letter that started with the salutation, Dear Loser, and tell the story about how the label owners got Nirvana's first record contract out of a library book. And of course, we're going to talk about the bands and play some clips. Let's go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Prisoners of Rock and Roll, episode number 39. My name is Bruce Kramer, and I'm here recording this episode with two guys who can do absolutely anything they put their minds to, but they decided to do this podcast with me, Ryan McCusker and Doug McCusker. What's up? Are you rocking? Speaking of McCuskers, Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia, and we are honored that our show is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Man. Mm -hmm. All right. So tonight we are going back to the 90s. Wow. 90s were uh, good to a lot of bands. Getting all my equipment squared away here. <laughs> yeah. Knocking all, my, knocking all my crap over. Getting but, all uh, the time machine ready. Getting the time here. machine ready, man. Yeah, so this one was on my list of topics that I want to talk about for a while, man. I just thought it was a, it's a really cool story. When you brought it up to me, I'm, I was thinking, can we do a, a full podcast about sub pop? But after looking at your notes, I'm like, wow, there's there's a lot, <laughs> yeah. there's a lot, lot, lot the the story, I guess. Like I read the um, the, the layout outline. for the show, and I was like, wow, Bruce. Yeah, man. So we share our notes like a, you know a couple of days ahead of time. Like this is what I'm thinking. Here's an outline, and uh, yeah, I, I sent it uh, last week, and you guys were like, holy shit, yeah, man. Dude, you guys really got something. So I think the way we're gonna tackle this, man, we're gonna tell the talk about the story of like where the label came from. And kind of there, yeah, maybe up through like never mind. That's really kind of like the cutoff, sure. right? And then, you know, I mean, Sub Pop is still around. And they still, uh, I've got a couple, a little bit on maybe some of the bands that are on there today. And they, they have some more, um, they had more bands that I knew than I thought I would. Mm, that yeah. are still, I don't listen to a whole lot of contemporary music no, anymore. There was, yeah, there was a lot of stuff in there. I didn't know Modest Mouse was on Sub Pop. I was like, well. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, do you think white, they, the white stripes are on there. A do you think other. bands like look out to, because like sub pop is such a, like a, a beginning of grunge and like this heavier kind of music? Do you I think, think that so. bands want to like? I think like so. just for, like for principle. Eddie Vedder put something out on sub pop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think, think so. purposely that. Yeah, I think so. Especially um, even though they're part of Warner Records, mm -hmm. I still think that that's like a. It's such thing, a, yeah. it's like a recognizable brand yeah. that it's, even if it's, it's what like you're, a, if you're an artist, you want to be part of. Yeah, I keep think it going. So. Kind of yeah, thing. if you're like an independent, um, you know, rock and roll band. Yeah. So, all right, man. So I'm going to start telling the story a little bit about how this how Sub Pop started. So it's a little complicated, and it was interesting, man, because a lot of the stuff that I read was like conflicting dates and info. Mm -hmm. I was even reading interviews from the two dudes who started it, and it was still conflicting stuff. And so, these guys don't remember like too much. Yeah. All right, so there's two dudes that started Sub Pop, and the first guy I want to talk about is a guy named Bruce Pavitt. 
And it's, it said it gets a little complicated to kind of figure out. But this dude in like 79, Bruce Pavitt, he was like a radio guy and like a college radio station. And he had a fanzine, which I, you know, I was kind of like, oh, like fanzines in like the 90s were like a big, that was like kind of like the podcasting before the okay. internet. Everybody had like a magazine that they made themselves. And he had this fa- fanzine called Subterranean Pop. And he only wrote articles about the independent music scene in the Northwest. So subterranean pop, sub pop kind right, of sure. thing, right? So, but he wouldn't talk about like bands on like Mabel, major labels. And he would only talk, he wouldn't talk about bands that are from like LA and New York City. He said like, and he would make this fanzine, but he couldn't afford to like print it in color. So he would make it in like black and white and have his buddies come over with like crayons and it would color in the, the cover and, and turn yeah. it out. So, and this dude, he actually sells like a collection of all of his fanzines like mm. you can go on his website and buy them all i don't know why you'd want to read that but you can anyway so the fanzine kind of turned as he's writing about these like really independent records he then started making like cassette tapes of all these like independent bands and mm. he would put those out cool. to kind of like help promote them so he's kind of like a de facto record label but like a college guy you sure know? so he's kind of like doing this like like a Rick Rubin kind of guy. Kind of, yeah. Like, but it's like but no no like formal business. Like right. Um, He's just like like putting it out. Like yeah, like, kind of like I could go to all these shows. It would be like I, he just had the passion for it that he wanted to kind of like advertise the music that he liked. Yeah, it'd be like kind of like like if I was writing about all like bands that are playing at like show you know places around here, and I recorded you guys playing mm-hmm. at McCusker's the other week and put it on like a CD and sort of handed gotcha. it out like oh hey check this out this yeah. is what I'm talking about or like you know like if we at the Prisoners of Rock and Roll yeah. had like a blog or something and we were sharing like local bands and stuff like that the guy really briefly opened like a music store and it kind of didn't didn't go anywhere but. In 86, he puts out this compilation called the Sub Pop 100, and he only made like 5,000 copies, and they're kind of a collector's item. I was going to ask that. Yeah, they have to be some kind of collector item now. Yeah, they're on eBay for about 75 bucks a piece. That's not bad. Um, but there was a couple bands, like, uh, he had a couple bands that were on there that were like, um, like Sonic Youth was, was breaking, but they were, they agreed that they wanted one of their songs on here. Mm-hmm. And then there was another band on here called the U Men. And I put the U Men on our, um, our playlist and really because they're kind of considered one of like the, um, the precursors to grunge. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I didn't think their music was really good, but let me, let me play a little bit of it off the playlist and then I'll kind of tell why I put them on here. Uh, where they, here we go. Here's a song called Gila by the U Men. Awesome. Yeah, I didn't mind that. I yeah, like that. It, it yeah. wasn't it wasn't quite punk rock. Um, but it had this like it, I you know, forgive me, but it has this Seattle sound yeah, to yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You can hear the yeah. Seattle sound and it's kind of a post punk. And they're so they're kind of important because they're kind of considered like one of the bands that were around before Grunge. But they were also managed by this uh woman named Susan Silver. And she's a big deal, man. So she also managed Soundgarden. 
Awesome. And she was Chris Cornell's first wife. Okay. Oh, she I know, also I about her. She also married she also managed Allison Chains and the Screaming Tree. She still manages Allison Chains today. Okay. Um she also managed a shoe store in Seattle that sold all the Doc Martens and made the Doc Martens famous. <laughs> she sounds like she has her finger on the pulse. Yeah. Like and she also helped Nirvana leave Sub Pop and go to Geffen Records. Right. So like when when Kurt Cobain decides like we want to become a we want to go to reg, a major label, they yeah. ask her what to do and she's like go find a lawyer and start shopping your shit around. So cool. it's kind of cool. Do we, like, like, do we like her? Or I think so. Yeah. yeah. She, brought, like, she she gave them the idea to be a bigger band. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, do you want to be that. like local or do you want to be, you know, yeah. around the world? Yeah. So I thought it was kind of cool. Like she, she managed all those bands and that she was like responsible for some of the fashion. And but she's, she's like taking like a lot of like, Credit or money. She's making money on everything. Like she's selling she's like the stock market shit out of it. Yeah. Absolutely. She That's ran like a, yeah. she started like a management company and I think she largely like retired except for Allison Chains that she still right. manages. I think everybody else she she doesn't manage anymore. <laughs> yeah, sure. they're dead. She yeah, was, was dead. And she wasn't Chris Cornell's like widow. Right. Right. But she um Chris Cornell, I guess I got divorced and he remarried. Mm. She, he's not yeah, the yeah. the widow that because there's something with like his estate, right? That like his yeah, widow still going on. Yeah, now. I don't yeah. think that's her. There it's was yeah, no, it's his wife now. When he first got divorced, she was like really went after him. Hmm. Like she like owned all these guitars that he owned, and he he didn't get them back from her, and mm-hmm. she plays dirty marriage. So right, marriage. <laughs> so so this so this dude. Uh, Bruce Pavitt, he's doing a little bit of everything, man. He's running a record store. He's putting out some albums, or he, you know, he's got this compilation. He's writing this magazine, and he uh, he borrows a little bit of money from his dad to put out an album by this band called Green River. Mm-hmm. And Green River is like kind of a they're a big deal in um, the Seattle scene, right? So a lot of people maybe don't know who Green River is. You know, the, the band, when Green River broke up, those guys went on to start Pearl Jam and Mud Honey nice. and Temple of the Dog. So it was Jeff Ament and Stone Gossard mm-hmm. were in Green River, and the singer was Mike Arm. Mike Arm becomes the lead singer for Mud Honey. And maybe I'll play a little bit of- That's uh, awesome. Yeah. Little, yeah. yeah, I've listened to yeah. some of this this week. It's kind of, it's like more metal than sure. grunge. It's like heavy. It's the time. Yeah. 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 It's kind of like the, it's, it's, a, the it's mid-late 80s kind of stuff. Mm. Here's a song called Swallow My Pride. You can definitely hear the the progression of like what Pearl Jam became, yeah. and, and you can see these like, other bands. Yeah, they're definitely young. Like yeah. you can tell, like the development of the music. It was cool because like, uh, so they they put out a couple EPs and they decided they want to put out an album. And they said Sub Pop, they, the guy's like, oh, I don't have the money to do that. So mm-hmm. he borrowed some money from his dad and he put out the uh, the album. But then the um, the band broke up right before the album came yeah. out. And the guy's <laughs> that like, sounds about yeah. how bands work. Right, yeah. I sunk all my money into putting this out. And then there's no reward because they broke up. Yeah, and how are you going to sell an album right. from about band that doesn't play anymore? And then a couple of those guys, three of the guys from Green River go on and they join Mother Love Bone. 
and Mother Love Bone becomes like a really big deal. Yeah, sure. And then that singer dies before their album comes out, and then Stone and and Jeff go on to create Pearl, Pearl Jam. Jam yeah. So Mother Love Bone was a great band. Yeah, yeah. They're not. Um, they never released anything on Sub Pop, but I thought that they were worth talking about. Sure. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it's, it's story. Yeah. yeah, I put yeah. um, what did I put on here? I put Crown of Thorns on. Yeah, there, by play the way. that. Play a little bit of that. It's a great song. Yeah. Man. He was great. What was his name? Andrew, Andy Wood. Andy Wood. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he, yeah. Well, he died right before that, that album came, came out, out too, yeah. right? Yeah. So it's like another. It's that like was probably double. heartbreaking for the whole scene. Oh, absolutely. He was, was like, deal. you know, uh, you know, God, he became Pearl Jam for Christ's yeah. sakes. Right. They're right. They're like kind of like the first ones, yeah. right? If yeah. you study the arc of grunge music, they were like the precursor. I mean, the mm. Pearl Jam parts there, you can hear it. Like yeah. Pearl Jam definitely had the psychedelic sound in the beginning. Right. Yeah, man. That was, and like you said, like we were talking between during the song, like Pearl Jam still covers this song. Like, you know, they still play a song in concert. And I always liked that because they're still holding on to their roots. It's know, a, it's yeah, a, but it's he, a great song, too. Andy Wood's vocals are great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he had, you could tell it's the times. There's still like that edge of like 80s hairband, yeah. like in there. But you would probably, he would probably progress into something totally different if he didn't die. Yeah. And, you know? Hearing that just made me think of like I'm a teenager. I'm sitting in my buddy's garage, and we're just kind of listening to music and just tooling around, and yeah, just, you know, sure. like a Friday night, just just hanging out on it, a summer night. It's it like the River Edge kids, like, yeah, getting, right. like hanging out. Yeah, it was the sound of that time. Yeah, like '91. No, it's probably before that. But Mother Love Boom probably came out in like '89, '90. Yeah. I think so. Right, because Ten comes out in '91. Yeah, so it's got to be before that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and I guess you kind of got to be. A little bit of a music historian or in the grunge to know them, right? Because they're not a you don't hear the shit on the radio, and maybe if you heard them on the single soundtrack, yeah. Pearl Jam gives them a lot of love. Sure, they, like yeah. they talk a lot. If in the Pearl Jam documentaries, uh, they really do talk about Mother Love Bone yeah. in mm. the documentaries. As much of a big, huge Pearl Jam fan I am, I gotta say I'm not a big fan of Mother Love Bone. I think really? it's, I think it's really dated music. That's just okay. my opinion. Like you know, I, it never blew my doors off. Like oh my god, this is the uh, this is that this song blew my doors off. Yeah, Crown like, of lyrically, Thorn, Crown of Thorn sounds like it's got a, kind of got like a Stairway to Heaven kind of vibe to it. Mm. Like just slow yeah, build. Eerie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Eerie is a great way to yeah. describe it. And it's definitely one of their better songs that they put out, in yeah. my opinion. They were really funky. I mean, yeah, you had, you had the good time. Of the times, what was more alternative right now? Uh, was it the Red Hot Chili Peppers? Were they really alternative? Like they compared, yeah, compared to like what these bands were doing. It's yeah. cool hearing all the stuff that you know that we all grew up on, and then you go back and listen to that. You can hear the like you said the progression mm-hmm. from the the hair band stuff as it's starting to morph into grunge. Like you see footage from early years of the grunge era. 
and it's they're not too far from being the hair band. No, no not at all. No. Like I, obviously the makeup's not there, and they're wearing their own street clothes, mm-hmm. but they're still wearing leather jackets. Yeah, right. You know, like look at Alice in Chains. Alice in Chains was a grunge band. No, yeah. they weren't. They were a metal band. Yeah, they yeah. were hair, and they were like a hair band for a yeah, while. Yeah, so no. that footage just came out too. They yeah. released not too long ago. It's yeah. just them all like glammed out and shit. One of you guys said it that was before. Yeah. I think it was like well, even like the, the flannels was like well, they were wearing the flannels because they live in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, it's cold. Yeah, yeah. freaking cold all the time yeah. Yeah. they so wore it, long underwear and, right. and like you, you know it's just right. the, they wore it because that's just what they wore because yeah. it was yeah. cold outside it wasn't a fashion statement and then yeah it becomes like you know you go to your Walmart buying it. Right. oh my god right I think it's the fashion that's happening right now. Like so it goes in a circle. I think yeah, the grunge era is back now. It's, it's definitely coming back. Yeah. My, uh, I like it. Yeah. I'm not yeah. mad at it. No, I, yeah. my my daughter wears a ton of like flannels and Nirvana yeah. shirts, and I'm like, all right, you're, yeah. you know, you're not a poser. At least you no, understand she's not, the music. No, no, no. So, um, all right, so that's the first dude, and then the other guy was this guy Jonathan Poneman. And so around the same time, this guy Jonathan, he's hosting a radio show called Art Audio Oasis. At the University of Washington. And as he was working as a radio station guy, as a DJ, he started to book gigs and promote bands on the side to raise money for the show. And there's another dude who's on the air at this radio station who went by the name K-Clone. And K-Clone's real name was Kim Thile from Soundgarden. Kim Thile from Soundgarden. Wow. So this guy, Poneman, winds up booking Kim's band Soundgarden for a bit, a gig. And Soundgarden had even played 10 shows together Mm -hmm. yet. But he books him and he goes and this guy, Poneman, goes and sees him and he's blown away by Soundgarden. He goes backstage and was like, oh, dude, you guys are going to be the biggest thing ever. Poneman said uh, Chris Cornell looked like a high school football player on a PCP bender. Right. (laughs) And he was like, you guys are going to be awesome. And the fact that Soundgarden had only ever played 10 shows together, like anybody telling him that they're awesome was like, sure, sign us up. Yeah, yeah, right, right. And he's like, you guys have to release an album and I have to help. But I have no frigging idea how to do how that. To do it. He, saw Kim, the, he saw the product, right. but didn't know what to do with it. Right. Yeah. He's like, you got it. We got to do something. But I don't know anything about the mm-hmm. music industry. So Kim Thile goes, yo, I, I know this guy that I grew up with, this guy, Bruce Pavitt. He's like, he, uh, Kim Thile used to play in a band with his brother. Before Soundgarden. He's like, go talk to this dude. Mm. So Jonathan Poneman goes back and talks to the other guy, Bruce Pavitt, and they decide that, well, um, we're going to release a Soundgarden album. And John Poneman cashes in like 20 grand in savings bonds that he had received from his parents and invests all of it in Soundgarden. They put out that, um, and Soundgarden, or Sub Pop's not even like a, like a company yet. It's It's still kind of like a, this weird kind of, amorphous thing but they put out the sub uh the screaming screaming life ep from soundgarden yeah uh i guess we should probably play something from it here's what you put on here you put big dumb sex by what soundgarden a great song this is I take my I take my hat off to that guy. Man. Sure, like he definitely saw it and was like, "Holy shit!" Yeah, because like, there he is. This is like the future of music. Because it's not it's not his um. Soundgarden was kind of like slow and plodding. They get to, like it's not there yet, yeah. right? It's still like his voice is. It, I don't it, know. I think the his voice is there. 
Yeah, so like, it's, it's very unique. Maybe it's the yeah, music isn't so there. Young. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. He, oh, definitely. It's kind of like progress. He progresses into another thing, into yeah, another absolutely. dimension. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he became such a more powerful voice. You know what, Chris man? Like, and speaking to him, like, I when Soundgarden had broken up for a while, I went and saw, like, Audio Slave, right? And he got back together. And I remember going to that show and just thinking, like, rock and roll just needed his voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I was like, just nobody sounded like him. He no. could hit those notes. Yeah. He could do anything, right? He was he, the best singer from that time. I think he was, too. And... Or one of them. One of I them. Mean, he one would, of them, yeah. But he was so, like, versatile, like that Sweet Sun, sweet sun Shower, that, that uh, solo album. That, that was, a, made that, that was, that was a great album. That's yeah. a great song. That's a great Sun Shower. Yeah, yeah. He did some stuff with, like... I saw him on that tour. Oh, did really? really? Yeah, yeah he nice. was at the Tower Theater in Philly. Or Upper Darby. It was Re- great. Really versatile, powerful, like, amazingly powerful voice. Really a shame that he that he passed away. Yeah, but it, you know he gave us a lot of music though. A he lot did. of music. It's just he his depression was awful. Yeah, you know it's really it's really a shame. But going back and hearing all this kind of stuff, I mean, like Bad Motorfinger was one of those albums to me as a kid that was, blew my mind. Uh, like sitting in my room and listening to it, just going like, "What is this? Yeah. This is so cool." They were they, it was real heavy. They yeah, were, they were totally more dark than other bands. Right, like they. You know how we were saying how maybe the the mother love bone was a little bit more. You can hear that eighties influence. There was a lot of color into it. Yeah, but you know when you listen to Soundgarden, it's just black. It's like plotting. It's like a I don't know, man. Like grunge is like punk slowed down and like yeah, really yeah. detuned. But like when Soundgarden first came out, like a bad motor finger and everything like that, like it didn't seem like you know. They knew what to do with it. Like, where does this really, really fit in? This is, is this heavy metal? Is this something new? Is this like yeah, hard sure. rock? Like, where does this fit in? I remember they were putting Soundgarden on Headbangers Ball. I remember yeah. that's where I was trying, trying to find them a home. Yeah, like, where, where do they fit in at? Yeah, they fit in. They at the time, like they were heavy. They were really heavy. Yeah, yeah. especially for like daytime MTV. Yeah, yeah. it's like, interesting, man. Like, so if they had come up, like if they had lived in like Detroit. You know, somewhere outside mm. of Seattle, would their story be different? Would they mm. be, like, or are they a grunge band? I, I don't know, man. Grunge is such a, a weird, See, like. him, this is Alice in Chains and Soundgarden can totally be both known as a metal band. Yeah. Sure. You know, they, they both came out at the edge of that metal scene that was still happening, but they were something different. Grunge turned into, like, I mean. I don't know, man. The record label, the record executives got a hold of the term grunge and wanted to sell everything about it. You know, but, like the. But both those bands evolved. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. They evolved yeah, sure. a lot all great career. All yeah. great musicians do. Yeah. You know? You like, they didn't stop. just stay at one thing. Like, you listen to early Alice in Chains stuff and early Soundgarden stuff. It was nothing. Like, yeah. fast forward, like, seven years later, it's completely different. But those guys had big ideas to use yeah. the studio as a music, as, as an instrument. Yeah. You know, they had big ideas. And especially with his voice, I mean, you could do so many different things sure. just behind that. That's like his, the really high sound of his voice. And then again, it's like those really slow plotting guitars that Kim Thiel will play. It was just yeah. a really cool, like just uh combination. And then the, there's like the vocal harmonies. Exactly. Yeah. But him, they're totally different. But him, he's a, even as a lyricist, I'll give him that. Like he's one of the deeper lyricists from all these bands. Like you know, that yeah. was a big thing with Andy Wood. Yeah, from Mother Love Bone, he was really good friends with Chris Cornell. They were roommates. Yeah. And oh really? Yeah, something I think they, like that. They were they were like, they were like roommates when he died. You the, know, the, uh, or something hmm, like that. That when they Andy would died. try to impress each other with 
lyrics. Yeah. So they would leave things around the house, like written lyrics and like, oh, well, check this out, what I wrote. Oh, yeah. And then Chris Cornell would be like, oh, well, look what I can write and huh. try to. And who knows? Look at all the probably lyrics. They yeah. all got thrown away. Yeah, man. It was just trash. Come out. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Hmm. All right, so the kind of like the label's kind of a thing, but it's like those these two guys don't know anything about like running a business or finance. They and I've read some interviews with a man, and they're like, "Well, that's just kind of the indie way." And mm. it's kind of like I don't know, man. Well, I have like, a bunch of clowns run it. Yeah, like <laughs> you know, like oh, well, an indie label, man. Like, We're not we, sold out, right? But they wouldn't be everything against the establishment, I imagine, at the time. Also, that is true. You know, that but is once true. You, once you become a business, you become yeah. the man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. So they're, they fought so hard not to always, be the man, but they are. Yeah, they're they, raging against yeah. the machine as much as they can. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. So, but then they decide, like, as this music scene is growing, that they're like, well, we need like publicity. And they said, like, um, they said the two guys, like, they made a, an agreement that they would never turn down any interview, no matter whoever asked. And I was thinking, like, oh, cool, can we go ask mm. them to be on our show? Yeah, <laughs> you know. But uh, but so they reach out to, and they realize that like the American like music press doesn't give a shit like uh you know rolling stone doesn't care because it's know. not pop music right, right you know right. it's still like the late it's 80s still it something so different than with, on the radio right yeah. right so they call the brits and they call this dude everett true from who writes for melody maker and they're like yo man why don't you come to seattle we got this really cool music scene and this guy comes and he writes and i like i was cool i, I actually pulled up the article and i read it like a, it was like a picture of the newspaper i couldn't even find like that somebody typed it so i had to read it and uh he labeled he talked about like seattle the new hot scene of Mm. music and he profiled like a handful of bands some of them were like we've heard of and some of them i was like i have no idea who this is so i was like um so the first band was a he said it was a band called swallow and it was like you know a little like picture and a write-up and i was like i can't i couldn't even find their music anywhere i couldn't find it on youtube spotify like they're just Gone, gone. Like, poof. Yeah. Yeah. But they were like the first one in this story of like the you know, I had a bigger picture than anybody else and they're just gone. They yeah. just fell. Yeah. That's amazing. Just, all these great they're probably this awesome band. Right. Like, now right. they're gone. Right. Maybe there's like, you know, forty fives out there of them. Yeah. <laughs> right. I didn't look on eBay. Or maybe they're just horrible and just kind of right. like just didn't last. Yeah. Uh, they talked about Green River. They said uh, they're heavy, loud, basic, and shit kicking as they make them. They're great though. I like. I haven't listened like the whole album. Yeah, on Spotify. Yeah, yeah, it's great. It's good. Yeah. It is good. It's good stuff. Uh, they talk about Nirvana, but they they only get a couple lines. Nirvana mm. is not mentioned a whole. And we'll talk about Nirvana in a little bit. They talk about Mud Honey, and the article really praises Mud Honey, and we'll we'll get on that. We'll get to them. Uh, Soundgarden. He they uh he actually the article spelled Soundgarden wrong. It was like Sound Space Garden. Garden. Mm. Um, but he said they're the new Led Zeppelin. So this mm. dude was like, all- I could see with with Chris Cornell's vocal. Yeah, dude. At that time, yeah, I could see the yeah. the correlation. Yeah, and then uh, a couple other bands, and then but as a result of this article, like Sub Pop it becomes huge in England. Everybody's buying all these records, and a lot of these bands it. I went and toured it. in the UK. That's how like they were making money, but they um, were like, you know, in the hype of the grunge era, they were like, see how like the record stores here have imports. Well, right. over in the UK, they would send the American imports over there. Yeah, right. And they would slap on the sticker. It's like from Seattle. It didn't matter what the hell it was. But that's just like America. America's so blinded by just like whatever popular. The UK was just. They were so like, oh my god, bring this grunge thing. Yeah. They were like, holy shit, and it's they just slapped the sticker on it and said, made in. 
Seattle, yeah, right. yeah. Seattle. made in Seattle. And everybody went, oh, this is the next big thing. Yeah. And America did the same thing. Sure. Right. We all did the same but thing. But you're saying, like, the, Brit, the Brits got it before we got it. Right. Yeah, Which I mean, is because, crazy. That, because like, it's just, like, by, by the media and what everybody pushes at you. Like, oh, this is what, what is popular music. Right. And it's even to today. It's crazy. Know? Like, this like this one article was, like, you know, Melody Maker was everybody, you know, it was, like, the British Rolling Stone. Everybody was hanging on it. What, this, what they yeah. said was, like, sure. this is what is popular. Mm. There's a couple bands I said that were in here that I want to talk about. One was this band called The Fluid. That I've never heard of, but I really enjoyed their. I like. I listened to a couple. I'd listened to as much of this stuff as I could find. Mm-hmm. There's a song called "My Kind" by The Fluid, and I just really dug it. All right, let's hear it. Yeah, it's like really punky and like yeah, you like know, the hand claps that, and the it's great. I love. I never heard the that. rocking of the snare drum. Yeah, yeah. like it, the, the drums sound great on it. Everything, even sound the great. clapping, the clapping yeah, in the background sound. Don't great. know any. Never heard of them. Don't know what they did. Anything else? I'm they definitely going to listen more of that. Never went anywhere, but I was like, all right, man, I dig it. Yeah. This is really cool. Yeah, that's it's like, cool. Yeah, no, it's like definitely like I can see how the Brits like that a lot. Like you know, it has I'm, energy. It has it kind of everything yeah. in it. It kind of you know? has a oi 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 feel. Yeah, yeah it, it does. Like, it does. Yeah. Another band man that got mentioned in this uh, that really kind of got forgotten about that I really enjoyed learning about was a band called Tad. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing some stuff with yeah. you guys I, during the week. I listened yeah. to a little bit. Yeah, of so it. did I. And yeah. Tad was like, um, it was named after the singer's name was Tad Doyle, and he was like a really big dude. He was like over six feet tall, and he was over three hundred pounds. Mm. And the article was kind of making a lot of like really shitty fat jokes on him. <laughs> they were like, they called him up uh, the Mountain of Sound, and like, oh, he's an enormous talent. Ha ha ha. And it was kind of like I don't know if the record left Sub Pop. I read a couple guys in Sub say that like. The two dudes in Sub Pop were shitbags and let that happen, like, make him be the butt of jokes. Probably. You yeah. Know, anything is good press. Yeah. You yeah. know? Fuck. But this this band was one of the, um, it was one of the first bands to be signed to Sub Pop, and they're really like a precursor to grunge. And I said the singer's name was Tad Doyle. They're in the movie Singles. Like, briefly, mm. they're like, they're on the stage playing mm-hmm. yeah. in singles. But anyway, um, I thought they sounded a little bit like Helmet. A little bit. Let me find. We got a song called Grease Box on here. Here it is. Man, I don't know, but for that sound takes me back. Sure, yeah. that totally yeah, yeah. bleeds flannel. I had the exact yeah. same thought. Man. I don't yeah. know what it was. I guess it was the riff or the the sound of the guitar, the crunch of it. But even but it automatically took me back. Yeah. But even like the drums, man. There's a lot of stuff going on. The drums for a Seattle band, like with a lot of bands were going on 
back yeah. then. I said it, the drumming, and it made me think of the band Helmet. Yeah. Uh, just kind of really. Like, you said the bass part is really, yeah, like, yeah. real short, yeah. like just kind of like pow, snap. Pow, pow, pow. Yeah, Snappy. real snappy. Yeah. 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 I thought it was really cool. And they, uh, so they wound up, they toured with Nirvana while Nirvana was on Sub Pop. And, but then after the movie singles comes out, they get a deal with Warner Records and they, uh, they open for Soundgarden, the Super Unknown Tour. Mm-hmm. So they were kind of like around for a while. Yeah. And then they, um, they, they had an album called Inhaler. And they started making posters of Bill Clinton smoking a joint. Sure, and the, crazy the line underneath it was, this is heavy shit. And Warner, <laughs> like, canceled their contract oh, and dropped yeah. them. You can't do that shit. So, but, all right. So, and this was kind of interesting. This is kind of the stuff that I was talking to you, I was sharing with you guys. So, in 2009, man, like, Soundgarden was broken up. Mm-hmm. And he played with all of the members of Soundgarden, minus mm-hmm. Chris Cornell. And uh, mm-hmm. they said that Cornell heard that. And was like, we got to get Soundgarden back together. So, and I found a little bit on YouTube of, um, here's Tom Morello introducing the band. And then this guy gets up and he sings with Soundgarden. They were calling it Tad Garden. That's I thought it was pretty cool, man. But it was interesting to hear. Here's a little bit of it. Chris like Cornell was like, yeah. you know yeah, what? Wait, I'm getting back into yeah. it. Exactly. That this is horrible. Wait, all right. Wait, hang on. Here. Let's let's try this. Here's them singing. Here's Town Guard, Tad Garden doing Angry Chair by Allison Chains in like a studio. This might yeah. be a little better. So you're saying that's Soundgarden playing with this dude playing Towns and Jeans. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Yeah. It's and like it, a cover it's like a cover band with the actual band. Yeah. This guy's singing. Yeah, but it said it was yeah. for a fundraiser that Allison yeah. Chains had put together. That so. guy can't sing for shit. Oh man, I, He sounds I, like a million guys that we know that yeah. sound like that are in cover bands. <laughs> I, I like them a lot. I liked the the, the version of Spoon Man didn't sound very good yeah. after listening to Spoon it. Spoon Man. Yeah. You yeah, sound like had like a like a cart and a cigarette. They must yeah. really or, love this guy, though. Like, I mean, he, they must love him if they keep the, on playing the band, with him. You know, it's Soundgarden. Yeah, you, you, you hear it. Yeah, you know? and just like it's like fuck it, we'll get this guy Tad. This yeah. we'll get that guy Tad to and, sing. <laughs> and Chris Cornell will get really pissed off and come back to the band. Wow. <laughs> All right, well, this segment didn't go as the way I expected it to. I was like, was really, I was really digging listening to this guy's music. Now maybe I know why they didn't go anywhere. <laughs> they uh, they did wind up becoming. They did uh, after the single soundtrack, they bolt and they went to Warner. And their album, uh, uh, Eight Way Santa was produced by Butch Vig and Butch Vig produced Nevermind mm, and yeah. some other, which is actually kind of interesting. They said that, um, at some point in this, one of the guys from Sub Pop said that, like, when they were, when bands were getting ready to break, they would send them to go work with Butch Vig. And they were like, you gotta go work with right. him. He, they were lucky motherfuckers. But yeah. then Butch yeah. Vig was like, convincing most of them like you got to get the fuck off a of Sub Pop man and go yeah, join yeah. like a radio record, a real record, yeah. a real record label. I mean, he was in garbage. Yeah. Yeah. He was. Yeah. 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 
He had some hits. Yeah. And maybe the only other band that was in this article that we didn't talk about was Mud Honey. I, did you guys listen to Were you guys into them? I, I was not. I know they got street red. Yeah, they yeah. got a lot of credit. Yeah. I think because they largely I never bought stayed. Any stuff. Yeah. yeah. I, Can we play something? Yeah, them? dude. Here's uh, Touch Me, I'm Sick. I always loved that song. I heard yeah. it before. It's it's yeah. it's total punk rock. But the thing is, like like though, like it's not supposed to be commercially successful. It's, it's about like being playing live in the crowd, everybody moshing around. That band was big in Belgium, man. They were huge in Belgium. <laughs> they were huge in Belgium. They um, yeah. The, the sub pop guys still call them the uh, the sub pop house band. Sure. Like that they're still like because they I guess every five years Sub Pop has like a big concert like a anniversary show and they play almost every like they played on top of like the Space Needle in Seattle awesome. or some shit like yeah. that. Um, I like them. Yeah, they they just never did anything for me. I don't know why. Yeah, I never they, they probably weren't like cool enough looking to be on on TV. Yeah, I like I my biggest exposure to them is probably they did a song on the um, Judgment Night soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Like I remember oh, right. that. Right, and right. I was like, I don't know, man. I just they just never did anything for me. I don't know why. But Ronnie said that you know they. I remember them having a lot of street credit. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. I got all the like. Yeah, I even though they left and they went to a major record label, mm-hmm. they, you still. I just kind of think of them as this indie band. Sure. I don't know. Sure. I also kind of think that people that are really into indie music are just kind of like pompous. Yes. Yes. Yeah, like, no, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. Like, it's know. like, oh man, what do you mean you're not into them? Man? Yeah, you don't know like, what music it's like, is. You know what, dude? You're the only person in the world that likes this song. Right. Yeah. So right. I must not be cool, but you yeah. are. Right. Yeah. No, it's anybody, people. Right. Yeah. Anything sold over five copies and I'm not interested. Yeah. Kind of like probably people are with music the way I am with like beer and they realize sure. how annoying that can get. So, but you know, whatever. You enjoy Knife's Paps Blue Ribbon. I do enjoy it. Yes. I, I had more than my share Friday at uh, McCusker's after going to the Phillies home opener. Which we won. Yes, we did win opening day. So I had a great experience, too, with a fan there. I'll, t- I'll tell that story maybe second thoughts. I'll talk on – I'll touch on that. All right, man. So that's kind of the bands that are in this uh, this write-up in this magazine. And then Sub Pop starts to, like, get really, really big. And I, a lot of these bands go overseas. Maybe around, like – I'm probably not going chronologically here. But in 88, Sub Pop comes out with this thing called the Sub Pop Singles Club. And they come out with a limited number of 45s. And for 35 bucks a year, you sign up and they mail you the record of the month and you have no idea what you're going to get and hmm. you can't opt out of it. It's kind of like yeah, you're, you're the Columbia your Records house. Yeah. So. The Columbia Records house. Yeah. The Columbia house. So, <laughs> um, and I found, I went through the list of like people that released everything and they're there were a lot valuable. of valuable. They're probably like, oh my really God, valuable. they're probably yeah. all worth something. Well, so, yeah. so it's still around. Oh, it still okay. exists. But there's original, still, yeah. But there's original 45 five, yeah. from they're, the first couple of years are so, probably yeah. worth. Go ahead. Yeah. So, all right. So the first one, was Love Buzz by Nirvana. Oh, right on. And there's only they only made a thousand copies. And you can actually go to lovebuzz7.com and there's a whole like this website devoted to trying to find like all the we found six hundred and thirty mm. of the if you have one, you know, all that like how to identify it from a fake and all this mm. other kind of crap. And we'll get into Nirvana and Bleach and all that sure. other kind of shit. But I did write down like a list of um all the songs that came out. 
And uh, so they released some stuff by like the Flaming Lips. And I was surprised how many bands were like um, the early ba- like bands I recognized. And I went back and I was like, this is the only thing that they ever did for Sub Pop. They would issue like one single. So were the Flaming Lips on Sub Pop? No, they just they did only a, they allowed just did this it. one song. Right. And there's nice. a lot of like like Eddie Vedder released like a single recently in this oh, awesome. on on this. So very cool. Uh, the Flaming Lips, Smashing Pumpkins were on there. The song Tis Tessa. Hmm. It was on. It's on Gish. Okay. Before they even were on a record label, before they had anything, wow. they had a single on here. The Afghan Wigs, they're kind of like what a bad d- name that yeah, is. Yeah, they're like I've heard of them. They're kind of like an alternative country yeah. kind of band. Yeah. I never yeah. really got into them very much. I don't um, remember. I have a couple of notes on them. Fugazi was yeah, on. Fugazi, yeah, shit. was on yeah, here. They're great. Um, I put a song on them. On yeah, there. let's let's play that. This isn't the song. They they had a song called Song One that was the. Uh, the one they released, but let's, yeah, we haven't talked about them enough on the show in the almost 40 episodes we've done. They're great. They were a band that was like, um, I don't know, man. Like when I was in high school, they were like, like the cool kids knew who sure. they were, right? Yeah. You had their, you had that, uh, their name written on your, you know, the the book cover, of your mm. textbook, and mm. stuff like that. Like people, people that like Fugazi were like, yeah, the real outsiders, right? It like, was like you know, like the really punk rock kids that were weird as shit, like the alternative, yeah. alternative yeah. music, yeah. 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 So, and here's a little bit of song one. This is the song that was that they released of a. Um, on the, the singles club. Hardcore shit. Yeah, yeah. I, I had that played in a bar one night, like Did Officers you? Radio, like their punk channel, and I was like, "Man, I hope nobody, I hope nobody guesses because that's fucking cool." Yeah, it was on. Uh, it's yeah. on the album Repeater, yeah. which is kind of one of their bigger. I think it's a popular. Yeah, it's a popular song. Yeah, I was saying as I was playing, I was like, "It sounds a little bit of the like Henry Rollins." And surprisingly, Hen- the Rollins band was the next one on my list. They wrote a. They released a song called "Earache My Eye," <laughs> which I was kind of like, "All right, I don't know that," uh, but it was written by Tommy Chong. <laughs> it was, that was like, awesome. It was that weird, is so wild. Like, it's not on Spotify. It was on YouTube. Here's a little bit of it. Yeah, so so what is Cheech, that? It's yeah. a Cheech and Chong yeah. song. So they, it sounds like the fucking song from 
What's the movie? Could their huge movie get that uh, high? Up in smoke. Up in smoke. Yeah. The Mamacita. <laughs> like the yeah. fucking song. That's what it sounds like. Dude, it sounds like something Beavis about have. You said like you're sitting there. You're you're doing what? Like you're sitting here. with your mother's clothes with the pantyhose. Yeah. Here's a little bit of the, the original. Yeah, it's from Up in Smoke. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They play it on stage. Yeah, yeah, it's the same song. He's in a dress and he's got Mickey Mouse ears yeah, on. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. See, I recognize any song anywhere. <laughs> yeah. When did he release when did Rollins release that track? Uh, like man. the cover? Uh what does it say? You don't have to go crazy. Nineteen ninety. That's awesome. That's so. Hysterical. Yeah. And it sucks that I, this is the first time I'm hearing of it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's like a cultural iconic song. Right. Yeah. It is totally yeah, I sat here, I was like, man, that sounds like the song in Up in Smoke. And you're like, well, actually, <laughs> it is the song from it's, Up in Smoke. Yeah, I had never heard it till I came across it. I'll, know, as, I'll know any song anywhere. Put me on name that tune. <laughs> Really funny, man. They just kind of come, came across uh, a couple other bands that were on here. Uh, Ween released a single. They're a cool band. They're from yeah. they're from Pennsylvania. Yeah, they're like yeah. up like New Hope, maybe like yeah. an hour yeah. north They've of been us. Around a long, long time. Yeah, they're still put, killing it. I, th- I put a song on there. Did I tried you? to look up songs that were on Sub Pop. Did, did, uh, they make, did they make the cut? Maybe I couldn't find. I anything. don't think. Yeah, maybe I don't, I couldn't I don't find see it on here. Hey, well, yeah, okay. Just keep moving. Modest Mouse was released a single, yeah. and they're kind of like they had that one song float on. Which I really I like them. I've seen them in concert. Have you? Yep, they here's were great. A, here's a this is a song called Broke. I don't know if this was the single. Did you look up if this was the single it, that they um, released? The internet says that this was on the sub pop. Okay. All right. Cool. Here. They're know. a big deal. They're my. They're not my cup of tea. But Ween's a big deal, dude. That's modest mouse. That's modest. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, Same thing. I, I like right, right. Same. Right. That's what I, I thought. It, it. They could have been a Ween song. Yeah. Like I, this no, kind of. I don't know. Ween has this huge, um, like fish loving yeah. vibe. I mean, they had that following the fish vibe. Yeah, they're like um, they're like fish meets like Primus. You know, like they yeah. got that kind of yeah. weird sense of humor in their music. Yeah. I I don't know. I had. Cup one of their albums. Yeah, I never really got it. I I never got into them. They they have a few good songs, but nothing. It's a little too weird for me. Yeah, but um, totally. They've been around a long time now. They have. Uh, The White Stripes released some stuff. Uh, You got a couple songs on here from them. Uh, What we got here? I think the first one is the actual China Pig single. Yeah, like this was interesting because just the style of the song. Okay, this is the one that's real bluesy sounding. Yeah, I thought it was cool.
thought it was cool how stripped down it was. Yeah. And it reminded me of our blues episode that we did all those, maybe those a year ago or yeah, what was last it? summer. Yeah. I, um, I, that was a great episode. Did you see that Jack White did the national anthem at the first Detroit Tigers game? I did. And it was kind of like in that same style. I, I didn't think it was great like you know i don't know if you listen if you guys listen to it or not but he's playing like this the same kind of style guitar with the slide guitar like the slide and then it breaks well, into whatever, like whatever he does is going to be weird absolutely but what he majority stuff that he does i love it's like yeah. amazing I, but for I, that setting it, it, it wasn't yeah great i feel like i should listen to and appreciate him more than i like it's yeah. be, like just being into music and the story of music and the history of music yeah. i feel like i should appreciate he's a genius him more. He, yeah he, the majority of the stuff he does yeah. like i said like that documentary let, let's get let's make it loud or whatever it's called yeah it might get loud he seems like a dictionary yeah like yeah a dictionary so like, yeah. Kind of like gets it like, yeah yeah like, like he, he he like remembers things accurately how yeah. it happened yeah like the history of like how Maybe some like a historian would like with blues, or yeah, with other like yeah. He's a guy holding on rock to it, and yeah. roll. I got a couple other bands that were on here. Uh, Jay Mascus from Dinosaur Junior, yeah, oh, uh, awesome. which was really cool. Mm. Yeah, I couldn't find anything earlier from Jay from more than like two thousands. Okay, but, all right. Well, here's a song yeah. called "Not You Again." So I love uh, Dinosaur Junior is really cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's a little bit of this. Understand, I'm the one in this right through a piece I've been keeping away. You really can't resist. I thought of the blob today, I thought of you, I thought of the mess I made. I can't, how do I do it? I really like that. that yeah, I like really a lot cool. of the stuff that yeah. they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was really digging that. Yeah. Give it, I mean, uh, Dinosaur Jr. was a good thing. Yeah. yeah but I really right, enjoyed yeah. him just acoustic by himself doing that. That had a lot of um, had a lot of passion. One of the bands that uh, I'll talk about a little bit later was in Dinosaur Jr. and spun off and became a, a sub-pop artist. And uh, all right, I got two more. The other one was uh, Eddie Vedder. Mm-hmm. So Eddie Vedder released a single under the sub-pop singles club. Uh, here's Cartography from Eddie Vedder. Instrumental, yeah. Of course, it's different for Eddie to put out. You know, it's definitely something to put on sub pop. Something so weird, but only Eddie sounds- gets it. Ooh, it's it's me recording silence, man. But it's like it's definitely very Pink Floydish, though. You yeah, it sounds like something on the wall. Yeah, yeah. All right, and then the last one that was on here is a band that I really like, is uh, the Reverend Horton Heat. Yeah, uh, they're great. Yeah, I've yeah. seen them. Have I've seen you? Them. Yeah, he's I've great. Seen them. So he's yeah, like, they're great. He was like rock a bit like rock yeah, and really yeah, punk yeah. like before all like anything, yeah, 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 what yeah, a great yeah. show man really uh here's bad reputation by the reverend horton heat
I love that man. They're yeah, like they're it, like the stray cats or like yeah, the more I've, punk. They they so, it was just so different. It was sub pop was like, oh, there's only one place where you can be and that's with us. Yeah. They put in a couple albums on sub pop as well. Yeah. yeah. I, I seen them at the TLA like like maybe like ten years ago and this band like Nashville Pussy opened up for them. Yeah, yeah dude, Nashville Pussy's awesome. They are dude, what a great show. They're what like, a great name. Any, <laughs> dude, it's a fucking I think I bought a t shirt. I was like, I gotta get his, the t shirt. They're but like the, the, the Reverend dude, he puts a hell of a show on, man. It's a good time. Nashville Pussy's like the uh the, the girls are both like six feet tall yeah. and they like like <laughs> Yeah, they're really uh, dude. They still tour together. Yeah, but like, whenever they come back, the, when they the last time they were filming, I guess it was pre-pandemic. Like um, they were touring. I was like, oh, dude, what a great show! They're like Motorhead, like the country version of Motorhead, yeah. kind wow. of. Like they're yeah. they're wow. cool. Yeah, probably don't sell a lot of albums due to their name. Kind of like um, at some point, I'd imagine that the guys in the Butthole Surfers probably regret picking that name. Yeah. It's just it kind of gets in the Doesn't way at some good. point. Yeah. yeah, doesn't look good on a T-shirt. So selling at Walmart. Yeah, right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Nashville Pussy's not signing a deal with Target or Coles anytime soon. And so, but uh, yeah, man. So, and the Sub Pop said the Singles Club is still around. You can sign up for it and still get stuff sent to you every month. So yeah. So I wonder if they like send you like forty fives. I think they do. That's, yeah, right. that's cool. Just to have it yeah. itself, just to have. Yeah, some of this stuff is probably collector's editions, and oh, it's kind of hard to find. Definitely. No. Oh, um, interesting. I, I was wondering if they put out like new artists like forty fives, or they like reissue things from back in the day. Yeah, it sounds like um, bands that are maybe more established now kind of like want to do it to get some street cred. Somebody like Eddie Vedder, right? Sure. Like, yeah. I want to kind of like it's super you know, cool to do. Yeah. You know why not? Yeah. To the iconic uh, Sub Pop label. So, all right. So, Sub Pop kind of like it's like 88, 89. Sub Pop starts, you know, becoming a label. And they, I mentioned before that these two guys don't know shit about running a business. And the band, the label immediately starts having problems. Mm-hmm. So, they're talking about like, um, and he said, like, a lot of these guys, too, were, like, actually, like, the bands were, like, working at Sub Pop. Like, one dude was, like, uh, working in the warehouse. I think it was, they said, one of the guys at Mud Honey was, like, the warehouse manager <laughs> or some shit like that. But, um, and they said at some point within, like, four months of the label opening, they they couldn't afford the phone bill. And they were, like, wow, we're a record label, dude. We, we have to have a, we can't not yeah. have a phone. Yeah. So, like fuck it just bounce the check sure. and that becomes like a business practice of <laughs> bouncing repeatedly bouncing checks and they become like kind of the the joke was that their motto became we've been going out of business since 1988 <laughs> and it was like uh they they got t-shirts printed that said what part of we have no money do you not understand <laughs> they said they were literally like one band would like use the money from a show and they had to cash that they had to take the take the cash and then use it to get to the next show because mm-hmm. like they had there was no cash flow for yeah, any of these imagine bands being on that label yeah. and like getting really frustrated of being like oh you got to put some money in the money into this band to promote and everything like that like, now you're explaining right like, look there's no money there's no this no that right but we'll try and we're trying yeah. for you well they said like the band like the afghan wigs they said at some point it was the singer for mud honey was the warehouse manager so at some point, like the the Afghan wigs go to L.A. and they're recording an album, and they like show up to the the record late the studio, and the studio is like, "Your label's out of money, dude." Yeah. So and they're stuck in L.A. Yeah. And they had to go uh, like all get jobs just to finish the so, album yeah, and they get home. Lord. It's just like, but imagine like. I'd imagine that kind of happens to like little tiny bands, but it's like this is happening to like bands that went on to like be you know, huge, right? Right. Like, this, they were successful ta- anyway. this is what it takes to make it. Right, like this kind of dedication, this dedication to work and shit, these so. shitty jobs to to make 
what they want to get to where they want. I guess we'll talk about Nirvana now. So because I think it's finally, good, I think it's a good segment. <laughs> so so these guys are like, there's no contracts, there's no formal business shit. Like you don't get like a marketing plan how you're going to promote your album. It's just indie crap. And Nirvana was being supported by them, and they said the one time the one dude. Bruce Pavitz is like coming home from a party or something, he goes in his house, and Chris Novoselic shows up story, at his door yeah. like drunk as shit and started banging on his door, going like, We need a contract. You have yeah. to put something in writing. And they're like, We don't do we don't do contracts, man. And he's like, Bullshit, we need a contract. So uh the the two guys go to the library the next day and they pull out a book on the music industry and they find a contract and they photocopy the contract and they white out all the other shit and they have Nirvana sign it. Right. And that's, that's where they're cost, they said it cost them ten cents to make this contract. Yeah. And it has a photocopy machine. And the contract had a six hundred dollar advance to make bleach. And uh But what wind up happening later in career, I'm sorry, with the with, with sub pop. This saved Sub Pop just because they had a piece yes. of paper because I think it was like they got 10% of Nirvana, whatever it was. Yeah. So, yeah. So that, yeah. Right. You know, so like when Geffen Records buys them out, had this not happened, there would be no contract to buy them right, out. Right. So the contract was for like a one year deal and had like a couple option years in it. But they use the money and they come out with Bleach and they yeah. record Bleach for 600 bucks, which is just like, Great! It's my favorite Nirvana album. I think yeah, it's just. No, it's uh, great. I love the rawness of it. Um, it's a little bit different. Than, than oh, the other, yeah. Yeah. Well, there another, yeah, there's another guitar player on it. Yeah, Dave yeah. Grohl's Dave not on, on it. it. Yeah. yeah, it's a different kind of feel of Nirvana. Yeah, they're a four piece band. They're like more like a street punk. Album. Yeah, band. Here's uh, you put about a girl off of Bleach on here. Here's a little bit of that. It's there. But it's definitely it, there. I mean, it doesn't have that punch that Dave Grohl does. No. no. But it's um, Kurt. It's it's fucking Kurt. You know? Yeah. So this album, you know, it, it started to do okay. You know, it started to, um, it was definitely one of the better performing albums. And then, like, Nirvana at some point gets, like, pissed. that They don't like the way Sub Pop's promoting them, which, again, like, you don't like the business yeah. acumen of these mm-hmm. guys. And uh, so Sub Pop tells them, like, well, you want to make another album, you got to go work with Butch Vig. Mm-hmm. And they, like, record the the demos for it. And they said, like, Nirvana, when they recorded the demos, they had absolutely no intention of ever releasing it on Sub Pop. They're like, we're going to take these yeah, demos and we're going to shop really, them around. Yeah, they were really, like, like torn what they were going to do. Yeah. This is, like, Kurt when I started to realize, oh, maybe I do want to be a pop star before he realized. Right. He really They're like, we want to chase the money. Yeah. And get the big deal. Yeah. Um, and they said that, like, well, they said that pretty much everybody who heard Nirvana when Bleach came out knew that they were going to be huge, except for the two dudes who ran Sub Pop. Right. Like, they just, they didn't see it. That they was, like. They had a million bands that they had to take care of. Yeah. Did you say yeah. that uh, they recorded, like, um, never mind, six months after release of Bleach? I, th- I don't I think remember was, how. I think, I think it was, like, six months. I think they recorded 
like a they made like really like lo-fi like in a tape recorder yeah like the demos of it mm-hmm. and they were shopping it around and i think like other people were telling the guys at sub pop like yo these dudes are like they're going around to like record labels yeah. man like playing this shit saying sinus yeah. and they were kind of like there was nothing they could do they were like whatever yeah so they paid for nirvana to go in the studio and record these demos and nirvana let them pay for it but they said they had no intention on ever signing it so at some point like uh Geffen Records gets a hold of it, and they're like, yo, we want to buy out the contract, the Nirvana contract. And it almost made me think of, um, what was it, RCA bought Elvis's contract off of Sun Records. Mm-hmm. Like, at Sun Records, like, Sam Phillips, like, needed the money. Yeah. It's kind of like Sub Pop was almost broke. So they sold the contract. They let Geffen. Almost broke. Apparently, they were broke. They were broke, broke. right. Yeah. They, said, they said the month that Nirvana, that Nevermind shipped, they had less than $100 yeah, left. Wow. Sub Pop let Geffen buy out Nirvana's contract for seventy five grand plus two percent of all the royalties off of Nevermind and Incesticide, yeah. and the Sub Pop logo had to go on the back of Nevermind. Brilliant. So when they flip it over down the bottom, the Sub Pop logo is. You have to remember, Nevermind wasn't a success overnight. It sat around for a long time, for several months. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. You know, so it was they. They were still taking a gamble. Yeah, with this with this band. Well, I thought it was interesting, man. So they said, like Geffen, when they bought it, they thought that Nevermind would sell about two hundred and fifty thousand copies. Kind of a minor the, success. Yeah. Yes. They yeah, said, yeah. like, a, there's a Sonic Youth album that mm. sold, but they said by December of ninety one, Nevermind was selling four hundred thousand copies a week. Sure. So it was like just. You know, yes. and, and, yeah. biggest thing that ever happened in music You're one right. of the biggest just, things that ever right. happened in music changes everything blows up goes huge and the dudes from sub pop are now suddenly like they're they're rich or they're they're, they're very wealthy or yeah. their cash yeah. problems are all fixed yeah but they said like after that happened then every other record label wants to come and sp- pick off all these other bands like oh sub pop you don't know what the hell you're doing you're now the minor leagues for all these other bands Hmm. that's when everybody started like oh you have anybody from seattle was getting signed yeah any any band they said uh somebody sub pop said it became like a mall on christmas eve 15 minutes before closing people were just coming in and buying any dumb shit to get their hands on and you can hear it you can hear it on a lot of the bands that they they released later on yeah some of the crap they were like generic you know Seven Crap. Mary three yeah. or you know, yeah. just like a whole wave of just like standard issue dude like, in flannel mm, playing yeah. rock and roll music. Yeah. They probably they probably Maybe. like put them out like on conveyor belt. Like record companies were just like, oh, well, we're gonna put you out. You yeah. put the yeah. flannel on. You countless, can do this. Yeah. Countless bands that Absolutely. we've watched um, come in as promotional. Sure. You're like, I don't you remember just looking at it and be like, yeah, this is crap. Yeah, <laughs> throwing it away. Like, uh, I remember like Days of the New. We were calling yeah. them Hanson and Chains because they yeah. were like, yeah, you know, just yeah, it's just same crap, just a different logo. But Sub Pop, like that that deal saved them from bankruptcy, and it's just really cool, man. It was like there'd be no contract unless he showed up at the Chris Novoselic showed up at the door mm-hmm. drunk and demanding one, and the like. It's just kind of a mm-hmm. cool story. But they said, you know, it's, yeah, Sub Pop would have went out of business if that yeah. hadn't happened. That's insane. Um, how these two like guys were so important in music that that kept sub pop going like it seems just like there was just two fuck ups in charge of this thing that became this iconic t- set it in right. time it's like two guys that just were really in the music and yeah. then they heard something cool and they were like all right well we don't know what we're doing but we'll try our best to put it out and then they uncovered 
the best band, Countless the bands. best band, right, right. A handful of them, including the band that like changed the entire world of music in '91. But it definitely Sub Pop put Seattle on the map. Oh, sure, this is yeah. before like Starbucks and shit. Like Starbucks was around or anything like that. But sub, it gets so much attention to like the Seattle like way of life. Like you know, like oh, sure. Is, so people travel, start traveling mm-hmm. there, and we want to go see some underground bands in Seattle. It was this fucking Starbucks thing, or right? Whatever. Well, Starbucks you know, I, and Amazon and, yeah, and yeah, all these other yeah, but, Microsoft but, and all these other. But Sub Pop and Seattle on the map, dude. I think if you want to visit that whole time, you can go watch the movie the Singles. Yeah, right. And that catches that whole time of that nasty weather, coffee drinking, grunge. Yeah. Well, the band, right. But that's when it's already yeah. exploited. Like well, Sub Pop, well, right? Sub Pop yeah, yeah. led yeah, to that yeah, movie. Yeah. You got re- you to remember that that was made before the grunge thing came. Cameron Crowe was like ahead of his time. Sure, he made that, and then like it all blew up. But kind of thing. He like made it at the same yeah. time. But if you go back and watch say say anything is another Cameron Crowe movie. Dude, Stone Gossard's in that movie, and there's like a there's a fucking Mother Love Bone song playing in the beginning of that. Yeah, you know, and Stone Gossard's it's like Crown a of Cat- Thorns. Yeah, it's Crown, it's of, Crown Thorns. of Thorns. Yeah. So the Seattle thing was there for like a while, but it just took a long time for everybody to catch on. I mean, just looking like so as we're talking, I just pulled up like the list of uh, you know the single soundtrack, and it was like how many of those bands were on oh. Sub Pop? Like Alice in Chains, okay, no, but the chick was ma- managing them. Pearl Jam came out of it. Chris mm. Cornell, Paul Westerberg wasn't. The Love Mongers was not. Mother Love Bone, Soundgarden, Mud Honey. The Screaming Tree, Smashing Pumpkins, Citizen Here, Citizen Dick, Allison Chains. That's Dick. But yeah, there's like a lot of those bands were like contributed to this movie, and then sure. the movie just kind of like locks it in, right? I think, the look I think and fashion. It, it was a, it wasn't a great success in the theater, but it was something that did great at Blockbuster. Yeah. Like it, yeah. was a, it was a big rental, yeah, and like you know a lot of. It has a lot of one-liners. Like we just yeah. said, oh, we're, we're huge in Belgium. Yeah. That's a big line that's in singles. But, the, yeah. but I think that the soundtrack might be actually bigger than the movie. Though. Sure. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. Sure. You know. I agree. Maybe we'll take a break here. Yeah, right and We'll on. come back and kind of talk about like what happens after uh, Nirvana. And then I got some stuff kind of like on some other stuff that they did. We got to read their rejection letter and uh, we'll kind of take it from there. Awesome. Cool. We'll be back. Stick around. Prisoners of Rock and Roll is sponsored by McCusker's Tavern at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia. There's something for everyone on the beer list and the jukebox at McCusker's. It's minutes from the sports stadiums in Philly, making it a great place to stop by for a few drinks before or after a concert or a game. Come see for yourself why everyone from Philadelphia Magazine to Playboy has called it one of the best dive bars in the city. Visit them at 17th and Shunk Streets in Philadelphia or on Facebook. That's McCusker's Tavern. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Life can feel overwhelming these days. We're all moving at a million miles an hour and sometimes get so wrapped up in everything and everyone around us that we don't take the time to invest in ourselves. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. But the good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. 
It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are the greatest asset. And as a special offer to Prisoners of Rock and Roll listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at BetterHelp.com Prisoner. That's BetterHelp.com Prisoner. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. We're back from the commercial break. Thanks so much for sticking with us, man. We got a couple more songs. We're gonna a couple more albums we're gonna talk about. But um, maybe the first thing we should wrap up with Nirvana was um, yeah. So Nevermind gets huge, and every other friggin' uh, record label comes swooping in and wants to start buying all of these contracts out. But then um, so Sub Pop then suddenly has to compete. With all of these major record labels, right? Mm-hmm. They're offering it's like huge money. stupid money to all these like Soundgarden leaves, you know, all these other band Mudhoney leaves, that band Tad leaves. They all jump for for big money. And one of the guy, the guys from Sub Pop, said like, um, you know, they used to sign a band and we'd give them like a, a, a an advance of a couple grand. Yeah. They said at some point, then it becomes like five figures you're giving the band. Yeah, they just get stupid money. Yeah. yeah. So the money that they were they got from the Nevermind was like. They were burning through it faster, yeah. and they were almost broke again. Yeah, wow. And then at some point, you know, Kurt, Kurt Cobain dies. Yeah, and Bleach like sells another half a million copies like right away. Yeah. You know, like you know, and the sales go through the roof. So they still, they still had Bleach. They did. They, they, yeah, yeah. they still do. They still, had they still do. They still have Bleach. Yeah, Bleach is the yeah. best selling album. No doubt. Of all. They've all. Yeah. Sub Pop's only yeah. ever had. Sub Pop's only ever had two platinum albums, mm. and that was one of them. And one of the other ones is like a later is a later thing so sub pop they kind of start falling on hard times again right before nevermind came out they had like laid off almost their entire staff too mm. that's the music the police music coming through yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so they said that like a ba- band that they would sell five thousand records would get a five thousand dollar advance now those bands were getting a hundred and fifty thousand dollar advance <laughs> but they were still selling five thousand records wow. so like there were sh- Shit. More was coming out of the top, yeah, and they weren't making any more money. These guys sound horrible with money. Yeah, yeah, they're just, they're they're, they're just trying to fucking drugs and shit. But dude. it's also like, how do you compete with like Warner and Sony? You know, the guys like stupid. Well, if these guys had any brains, they would have made a fucking band themselves and signed like and signed themselves and just right. You know, so ninety five, they decide that they sell half the record label to, to Warner Music for twenty million bucks. Wow. They sold forty nine percent. So these two guys get to keep control. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, but then they said that like um, it got really corporate, really sure. fast. So the guy Bruce Pavitt sure. was like, "Fuck it, I'm out." In April ninety six, he's like, "Dude, I'm like, I'm not down with it's this." It's over any- at that point. It's over anyway. Yeah, yeah. Cobain's Kerbin- dead by none. Yeah, yeah. right. Everything's like right. cookie cutter by that point. Right now, you've got you're like- moving into the Limp Bizkit world. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And you've got the band like the Seven Mary Threes and yeah. all the other crap, the like leftovers. the yeah, all the crap. Man, they're lucky like- to get out. They're Del- smart to get out. Delamitri and all that other crap that like Delamitri. You know, I like I like all that kind of. But um, they were unforgettable. Stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. I mean, that- they were forgettable. Yeah, it's they all that right. Just singles. You're just turning out like yeah. all these random singles. But um, so then the band, like the label, kind of that guy John Poneman, he still works there. He's still mm-hmm. there. But the label is still it's still around and it still produces records. But it's still it's part of Warner Music. There's a store, a Sub Pop store in the Seattle airport. I was going to bring that up. Like they they had like you were there, right, Bruce? 
No, no. I've been to the CBGB store. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I yeah. threw up in the Newark yeah. airport seeing that. But the, uh, the in the airport in Seattle, they had a sub pop. You go and buy your T-shirt. And hey, man, I'd probably buy one myself. I think I would, too. They, Absolutely. Yeah, I'd, I'd buy pencils. I'd buy, I'd, buy, yeah. I'd buy everything they had. Yeah, they said they make a decent amount of money off of that. Of course. Too. Yeah, big, like, absolutely. Like, it's was, a cult following. I was looking on Amazon at, like, sub pop T-shirts this week. I'm like, that'd be kind of cool to own if anybody, one. Like, if anybody knows anything about Nirvana... They're gonna buy something about pop yeah, from yeah. Sub pop that didn't piss me off as much as like the uh, CBT yeah, restaurant yeah. in the Newark yeah. airport. You yeah, know, just weird. like oh, I'm gonna have a blondie burger. So, <laughs> so I would disgusting. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's kind of well, oh. So let me let me finish um, kind of their story, and we'll circle back maybe some of the funny shit that they did. So the, there are some modern bands that are on their roster, and I looked at like the whole list and most of the bands I had, you know, I mm-hmm. said, I don't listen to modern, a lot of modern shit, but, um, the shins. Oh, sure. Like, so they were, um, like 2001. Apparently that was like, they were huge in like helping the, them get back to some sort mm. of financial position. I don't, yeah, not they my, stink. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't mind them. <laughs> not no, my, no, not no, my shins too much. Yeah. They weren't my, they weren't my thing. Postal service, the band, the postal service. Um, That's an awful name. Yeah. That went, that went, so that is, so that album went uh, platinum. It's the second platinum album they've ever released that Sub Pop has. Mm-hmm. And it's the second best-selling album that the label yeah. behind Bleach. And it, it's by the singer is a dude from the band Death Cab for Cutie. So uh, here here's a little bit of the Postal Service. You snuggle up with a white claw, and yeah, you know, yeah. like, that is god awful. awful. God. Yeah, that was not good. That was really when, bad. Did, when did that come out? Two thousand three. Yeah. Oh, so, so it's been bad for fucking that long. Right. It's been that, that album. That's almost twenty years old. They, oh, they haven't had anything else. Flight of the Concords was like yeah, that. Yeah. Like you know, kind I hate of, them. Yeah, yeah, I don't like humor. Too much humor with yeah, my fucking you've said music, that before. man. Yeah. But they're on here. Uh, a band called Beach House that I didn't listen to, but I was like, all right, they. Apparently, that was a big deal. Fleet Foxes, I think I've heard them on, like, the alternative station on Sirius a couple times. Mm. And then uh, the band Band of Horses, which I actually, I like. I, I like them. Yeah. Let me play a little bit of them. They were cool. It's whatever their most, let's find their most played song on Spotify. Here's a song called The Funeral. I don't even know if this is on Sub Pop, but... Overproduced yeah. junk. I I like them, and I don't know no, why. I, I like them. I don't know why I yeah. said that because I just heard that. And was, yeah, you're right. <laughs> like there's something like everybody's getting in touch with their feelings, dude. Everybody has a sound this, these days. It's like this overproduced, like like there's no audio like, on that how, shit. How but, old is that song? 2006. Okay, yeah. it sounds kind of dated. Kind of. Yeah, that it was on some yeah. pop. Yeah. Um, cool. I don't know, man. Yeah, it's like Doug. You said it's like it's overproduced. It's like 
compressed in the mix. Like everything's yeah. kind of real like tight. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of highs or lows. It sounds like a thousand other songs, man. Like it just yeah, it's, it's just, just like mass produced. I don't like, know, man. Like you know, we were when I was driving over here. I, I whatever. I just had like some pop station on and something like Doja Cat or some shit was on, and I was kind of like, yeah. like, like yeah, right, exactly, exactly, exactly. exactly. Right. It sounds like that. I think like it's just um. It's like auto tune and over like computer yeah. um, like production just like just fucking killed a lot of music. Absolutely, man. Like, that's, it's not even music. Right, listen man. to that and listen to like David Lee Roth like with Van Halen or you know like <laughs> no, just, it's a it, total like, different. Kind I, that's of what I mean. It's mindset. like. And yeah. people consider that rock and roll, man. It's right. not rock and roll. People, that, but people rock out to that song now. I guess so. It's like they they get their their state. They start quiet. And all of a sudden, yeah, it's yeah. All roadmaps. I could just see people running through halls, like out finding their whole lives with that song, like running down the halls, throwing papers in the air, <laughs> running out the door. You know who we? I forgot to mention, man. One of the early sub pop bands, and I totally forgot. So I'm just gonna kind of jump around. Was um L seven. Yeah, they're a good band. That album, Bricks Are Heavy, mm-hmm. that, you know, Pretend Definitely. You're Dead, like everything before that, they were on there. And they were on uh, one of the Sub Pop singles of the month. And then the Bricks Are Heavy album, another band that they sent them to go work with Butch Vig. And then Butch Vig makes his album and they leave. Huge. But here's a little bit of a song, Shove, from L7. I think we got to kind of wash some of that other emo crap out of our mouth. This is probably not good either. their sound yeah i like them the only thing i know about them is the tampon thing that's the only thing i know about l7 that's the only thing i know about them and he knew the couple of the songs they had a track in uh the natural board killer soundtrack yeah Yeah, sure famously pulled the tampon they were in serial mom they were yeah i think you said that it's a cult following (laughs) yeah they were they were cool man yeah it was good to hear something a little bit more rocking after some of the modern stuff so all right i got couple more points on that on sub pop so i got two kind of like funny stories i want to circle back on the first one was their rejection letter that's great they were very famous man for their rejection letter that they would send to people and i have the whole thing it's not very long but here's the here's the rejection letter if you sent them uh an album and they didn't accept it dear loser thank you for sending your demo materials to sub pop for consideration Presently, your demo package is one of a massive quantity of commendable material we receive every day at Sub Pop World Headquarters and is, due to time and volume restrictions, making its way through the greater lower intestine that is our talent acquisition process. We appreciate your interest in Sub Pop and wish you the best in your pursuit. Kind regards. P.S. This is a form letter. This is what is known as a rejection letter. I would love just to have that. Just have yeah, one like framed. framed. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, That'd yeah. be fucking great. I'm yeah, sure pretty, there's tons of tons of them out there. Uh, yeah, I'm sure the amount the amount of shit that they got. And then, uh, all right. So then the other thing was um, 
this is really funny. So in 90, 1992, man, I'll jump all the way back. So 1992, Sub Pop, you know, Nirvana blows up and Tan and all this other stuff. And everybody wants to be a part of Flannel, right? They're flannel World, they're selling Doc Martens. And the New York Times decides that they're going to write an article on, like, the, the culture of grunge. And they called Sub Pop and they talked to one of the owners. And he's like, go talk to so-and-so go talk to this megan gasper megan jasper excuse me go talk to megan jasper megan had been the um the receptionist at sub pop and she had just gotten laid off because the band because they were about to go bankrupt Mm -hmm. and uh and so this reporter calls her and just says hey man is there any like is there like a code that you guys speak? Is there like a lexicon like a lingo yeah like what's what's it like and she just makes up all this shit on the spot right away <laughs> so funny and it's, it's really funny but then and I'll, I'll read some of the stuff in a minute but the new york times runs the article and they don't ask anybody else so if this stupid. stuff is is true and then some of the bands that are in the scene read the article and they start using the slang in the media to mess with everybody and then all the wannabe kids that want to be grunge rockers they start using it because they want to copy the bands that they really Amazing. like. That is great. See, great it's, like, it's like the greatest, like the great. It's, I'm actually, I have an article in front of me open called "The Greatest Trick That Grunge Ever Pulled." That's great. And then, in like the, a year later, another magazine published an article where this girl admits that it was all made up. And great. then, like the editor of the New York Times calls her and starts yelling at her. <laughs> so that's what they get, though. Yeah. Right? And so I'll read. A, I'll read. There's one, two, three, four. There's only like ten, ten, lang, ten uh, words in here. But I just thought it was really interesting that Megan Jasper, who was the receptionist that got lit off, she's now the CEO That's of great. Sub Pop. I thought it was kind of cool. Like she she left and she That's came cool. back and yeah. worked her way up. So, all right, here's uh, she's a genius. Yeah, really. Like funny. she's a genius. So uh, the lexicon of grunge, all subcultures speak in code, and grunge is no exec- exception. Megan Jasper, a 25 year old sales representative. Provided this lexicon of grunge speak coming soon to a high school mall near you. Wax slacks are old ripped jeans. Heavy wool sweaters are called fuzz. Flat platform shoes are called plats. Heavy boots are called kickers. Hanging out is called swinging on the flippity flop. <laughs> Staying home on a Friday or Saturday night is called bound and hagged. Uh, great is called score. A bummer is called harsh realm. Uh, a loser is called a cobnobbler. <laughs> the cobnobblers. Cobnobbler of the I was, week. I was definitely called a cobnobbler yeah. in high school. Uh, a desirable guy is called a dish. I, I get that. I'm like, oh, what a dish. A drunk is called a bloated big bag of bloatation. <laughs> An uncool person is called a lame stain. Uncool outsiders are called the Tom Tom Club. And a happy goodbye <laughs> is called Rock On. So. What a great name for a band, a Tom Tom, like the Tom Tom There clubs. was a band called there the was Tom called Tom, Tom Tom Club. That's why I was yeah, laughing. Yeah. yeah. But, dude, I've definitely heard these terms Lame throughout Stain, my life. I've heard, yeah. heard Lame Stain yeah, before. Yeah, definitely heard so, these terms in my just life. awesome that that became, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. that the squares ran with it. And wow. yeah, yeah, it took them, funny. like, over a year. You're right, because it was, like. There was no, there's no there, internet. internet. Yeah, yeah, you on the flippity flop. <laughs> Swinging on the flippity flop. Swinging the flippity flop. I think that's it, man. Oh, you know, I did have one other minor, a couple other minor bands. I don't have any of the music that I want to play from them, but there's some other bands that were on Sub Pop that I had heard of, like uh, the Super Suckers. Yeah, sure, like, sure. You know, I had known them. The Afghan Wigs we mentioned. Yeah. Sebado. They were um, one of the dudes in Dinosaur Jr. Okay. Kind of like he quit, made another mm. band. Sleater Kenny, like a Sleater like, Kenny, yeah, right like on. all the girls, yeah, the girl yeah, band, yeah. 
and Sunny Day Real Estate. They were oh, like, the, yeah. like one of those beginning, like the emo. I, I yeah. love them. Do you really? Yeah. yeah. I saw yeah, them in concert like years ago. Sunny Day Real Estate? Yep. Yeah. They're really? Band, dude. Yeah. I think I had, I think I seen them maybe in 2001. They were fucking great. I'm, I'm, I'm shocked. Yeah. yeah I just, I, yeah. I, I was with like I college was a, friends kind yeah. of thing. I, right. I think that's like essential, like kind of moody, broody. The friends sure. that I was with, they were like college yeah. kind of dudes. Huh. Yeah. Wow, look at that! I learned something today. Hey, I'm, I've seen them all from Prince to yeah. them. You know, yeah, yeah. I it's too it's too like emo for me. Like it's just emotional. They are kind of an interesting band. Like they put out that one album, and then the singer like um he got really religious and wanted to like. I think he wanted to infuse that in his music, and the band was kind of sure. like, no, that's not going to work, yeah. and they never really did it. I don't know. I maybe because like. I dated a girl in college. It was like really into them, and I, maybe that's what I associated. Strange. I just, don't, I just don't like the music and her. So, whatever. I think that's it, man. With some yeah, pop man. records, it was uh, a little bit shorter than some of our other than the Kiss episode. But that's all right. This is you know a different kind of episode. I'm definitely sitting back and learning something. Yeah, I learned a lot. Yeah, there's definitely some music that I we uncovered that I'll be like, all right, man, I'll I'll listen to some of the stuff yeah, again. I'll sure. listen to the maybe not the live Tad stuff, but some of the other yeah. stuff. I'll uh, the studio stuff I'll listen to. Um, and it was cool. There's some bands that we hadn't talked about yet. You know, like. The Reverend Horton Heat and Modest Mouse and Dinosaur Jr. So yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was a good time. Good, good stuff, man. And then I, I learned a couple of things. So all right, I got some. Uh, you know what? I'm actually. We're, let's do music news first because the music news. The second thought I have is related to the music news story. So the first one was that the 64th annual Grammy Awards were held last week, and I really just kind of looked at it just to read all the. The winners just I didn't see. recognize like I saw Justin Bieber and just yeah. I didn't I didn't nonsense. even know it was going on. Yeah, I didn't I until the next day I maybe saw maybe somebody slapped each other inside, maybe I yeah. knew it was going on. Right. Yeah. But I didn't had no idea even it was on. They said a guy, John Baptiste, won five awards, including Album of the Year. He's the first black artist to win that since two thousand eight. No idea who that dude is, John. I, I want to say I heard his name before. I have no idea. Yeah. Have Everybody's no gonna know him. He's be like target of, like the target fashion brand. Right, right, you know? right. He'll be selling shit. Silk Sonic is a duo that won four. That's actually Bruno Mars and a hip hop guy named Anderson Pack. And I was kind of like, all right, man. Like, is that called a project? Something I, else besides Bruno Mars? Yeah, I was like, that's all right, cool. man. Like Bruno Mars is kind of cool. He's like, very right, cool. Maybe I'll yeah. give that a, I'll give that a listen. Yeah, no he's problem. Cool. Um, and then the Foo Fighters won uh, three awards. They won Best Rock Performance, Best Rock Song, and Best mm. Rock Album. They weren't there to accept Obviously the award, not, yeah. and they were supposed to uh, perform, and they yeah, they didn't. So, Billie Eilish Watt was nominated for seven awards. She didn't win anything. So, oh. Yeah. Um, oh, and the Best Metal Performance I thought was interesting. Dream Theater won Best Metal Performance. Oh, really? I'm like, so well, well, there's albums. a big fan base for them, but yeah. did they play? No, no. Uh, no they, I, like, and they they yeah. got they um I think that was one of those like the. The shit that they don't announce, like you know, yeah, there was a pre-recorded yeah. segment. Yeah. yeah, I actually, I'm friends with like guy from True Blues Traveler, John Popper. Yeah, he went, he went to the the Grammys. Oh, really? And, like, no, he, yeah, and he went, but the before, before, before party. Yeah, <laughs> like that's what he was when they like, given out like the rock stuff. They were out for like best blues album, Blues Traveler, and they had like the like in the middle of the day. Hmm. Like and they were like all dressed up for like like for like, the photo op. like yeah the photo op and everything yeah. like that but they they walked the red carpet no, they God did all awesome. that no, good for you. It was just, too. it's like the show's like eight hours long yeah. long 
Pete, the stars only show up for like the last course, three hours. Right. Yeah, of course. Right. They yeah. had to leave. Like, yeah, it's like out, uh, you're out. sitting in somebody's yeah. seat. You yeah, gotta right, go. Yeah, right. Popper is kind of a friend of the show. He's <laughs> yeah, we've, uh, dude, he's, he's awesome given us some guy. feedback a couple times. So, and the other story that I had, and that's why I want to do this first, was uh, Joe Messina, who was a guitar player for the Funk Brothers, died yes. at. 93 years old, a kidney disease. And uh, he was one of the guitar players. He's in the in the shadow of Motown documentary. And the band called him the White Brother with Soul. And, uh, you know, he was in all those legendary band sessions with all those hits from Motown. You know, we talked about it in the Funk Brothers mm-hmm. episode. We talked yeah. about him in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame snubs. He had a nice long life, I think though. it was only like, yeah, yeah 93, man. He had like, a nice long life, yeah. And I think there's only like, Two of those guys left, two or three. There's not, it's, it's not I've many. Been, and I talked on the show before how I played for the Funk Brothers. Yeah. yeah. You know, they sat there and watched him, and I totally remember him sitting there because he was the only white guy. The only white guy. <laughs> yeah. I remember sitting him, and he sat there the whole time and watched us. You always, and I found as I was typing up this, you know, little brief thing to put in here that, uh, when the Funk Brothers got fired, when Motown moves to LA, that dude, Quit playing the guitar. Wow. And he didn't play the guitar again for 30 years. Wow. Because wow. he was like, it just. How do you beat that? He said it just broke him. He sure. was like, I have no, That's understandable. De- I have no desire yeah. to play ever, play he anymore. Play it on the heat. What else do you do? You play every everything. Sing. Right. Yeah. Which is, again, everything. like, the fact that these dudes are not in the Rocker Hall of Fame is just yeah. like, it's my, like, I, it's mind blowing. I don't get it, man. Like, I, I can see the argument, like all those other bands we talked about, like Iron Maiden and Motley. Like sure. I can understand the argument against it. You well, know, like I, you know, I disagree, but I get it. These guys, I don't understand. No. Well, you know, if anything, they're not going to waste the time to put them in. Right. But give them like an honorary thing like they did with Randy Rhodes. Yeah. Right. Do that shit. Yeah. Right. They, yeah. put, they put the two guys, James Jamerson and the one drummer are in, but it's like, dude, these guys, like they deserve they to be in. Definitely. Man. It's yeah. like, right. If you went back and you put the... Uh, the comets in, and they put the crickets in, mm. and the moon, like uh, the, the miracles, right? The E Street Band, they they won, they had that jump where they kind of made it right. Like, sure, you got to do it. Yeah, who knows what happens in the future? Yeah. So, all right. So, second thoughts. So, second thoughts was after that he passed away. I shared the uh, the awesome clip of Joan Osborne playing mm. "What Becomes of the Broken Heart" right. with them yeah. on our yeah. social media, and uh, Pat on Twitter. Said, uh, since I first saw and heard this piece in the documentary, I've watched it a dozen times and I've never not gotten chills every single time. Come on, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, right or wrong, and induct the Funk Brothers. Absolutely. Right on. That's man. A great point. That's yeah. why I put them on our list, man. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I didn't think they were going to get any votes, but it was my chance yeah. to put them on. Yeah, you know, the the select list. I I really think it's one of the biggest travesties in music that they're not yeah. they're not in. People just don't know who they are. Yeah. I, I think the the documentary did well, but it didn't do that well. It's still underground. Yeah. Well, that dude, um, the guy that wrote that book that made the documentary did a. Uh, I think I shared it with you guys. We were preparing for that episode. Like he gave um like a class at like a community college somewhere in I Philadelphia. Watched that. Yeah, I watched. He that. gave like a two hour like he taught a class like in a. So I shared it with that person on twitter that commented and i was like dude check this out sure and they were like oh that's really really cool so yeah the guy that wrote the book and all that shit he's a he's a local dude he lives mm. in philadelphia so awesome. uh, you know what dude i did have another second thought so i uh yeah so friday night i went my my wife and i and the warden and i and a couple friends of ours we went down to the opening day for the phillies and we were down in philadelphia so we shot over to the bar afterwards over at mccusker's yeah shot yeah. over to mccusker's and ryan you were working and it was nice to see the bar was really jumping it, yeah, was, it was great it was busy yeah, it, was it was really cool yeah. and i was talking to somebody sitting next to me overheard me talking to you ryan yeah and, and totally. was and was like hey 
you're on the podcast. I recognize your voice. And that's like the third or fourth time that's happened in the bar, which immediately yeah. my ego gets big. Of course. And my wife kind of scooches her seat further away from me because she doesn't <laughs> want to fucking hear it. Yeah. But um, I had a good 15, 20 minute conversation with this dude where it was, uh, Who was y- it? your friend Rich. Rich. Rich? Oh, yeah. Cousin Richie. Cousin, Cousin Rich. Rich. Yeah. So Rich he was. He listens to our show every week. He, loves I, it. he tells me. He Every was, week he loves it. He was like fanboy. Like, I mean, he was asking, he was bringing up things that I said in episodes and <laughs> asking me, my, like, when you said this about Rush, what did you mean? And I was yeah. like, and it was cool. And we started talking about like some other stuff, Guns N' Roses and everything else. And at some point, I just kind of was like, I felt weird. Cause I was like, no, I was, yeah. I mean, like you're, you, I'm like, you need to find another hobby because you're yeah. really, you're like hanging on my, my every word a little bit too but, much. No, Rich but, is a great guy. It was but really Richie cool. Legitimately loves this show. And like he tells me, we every totally week. appreciate your support. Yeah, dude. It, it made me feel really good. Yeah. I was like, all right, man, somebody's, somebody's listening to what we have to say and yeah. somebody cares. Yeah. He's one of my favorite was, people to walk the planet. Yeah. Man. Really, really nice guy. And I really enjoyed talking to yeah, him man. and it was really cool. I felt awkward, but that was more my own ego. Yeah. It had nothing felt, to do with drinking since 10 o'clock. In the no, morning at no, all. not the, <laughs> right. Not the fact that we were right. That we started that I opened a Miller high life at 10 30 in the morning. And then by then it was nine o'clock at night. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you look good though. I, I, asked, I asked Ryan how you guys did. Ryan's like surprisingly, they were great. Felt all right, yeah. man. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, a little sunburnt, a little. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, it was a long day, but it was fun, and it was. You know, dude, I, I did, going to McCusker's and talking music to everybody yeah. is That's great. Where the idea for the show came yeah, from, yeah. right? Like yeah. every night, I That's would the come, idea. Yeah, right. I'd come in and talk to you guys and be like, "We should have a show doing this," yeah. and yes. then it just kind of like spun it. So That's it was great. really cool, and I really enjoyed. Yeah, talking Richard, to all. man, dude. Yeah, man. Really appreciate it. So, all right. So, the electric chair. The electric chair is a segment where we kill a song for being absolutely terrible. And this, we we were talking during a commercial break of what to kill, and we have a couple choices. We don't know what to do. So, Ryan, what are you saying? Like, uh, oh, what will we start with? It could be I could walk ten thousand, five thousand. What was it called? Yeah, that proclaimer song. Yeah. I will walk they're five thousand. They're they're a great fucking band. Are they? They're I don't, I don't know great. another I don't know. song by they're, them. They're a great band. I feel like we killed that song on the electric chair. Yeah, episode. I want to say we did. Well, <laughs> and then you had a you had another really you had a couple really good ones, man. And you also suggested, uh, yeah, Death Cab we, for Cutie. Death Cab for Cutie. And what was the song that we wanted to talk? The, there was a Pacific song. Oh yeah, song uh, "I Will Follow You Into the Dark" by Death Cab for Cutie. Um, the lyrics of the song are fucking awful. <laughs> yeah, it sucks, dude. I don't know who anybody out there that fucking likes this fucking song. <laughs> this song makes me want to hang myself. Uh, yeah, it's horrible. So I don't know anything else about Death Cab for Cutie. Other than that, that was the uh, the band that the postal service. It was their other band. Yeah. I don't know, like I don't know anything about else about them. God, so Dan, listen to this fucking song. Someday, who? It like, sounds like a guy sitting home alone, watching TV. That's the style. I don't like. Where would you hear this? Is like like. WXPN, like the indie station in Philly. Like know. the only reason I know about it is because you said one of our friends had a tattoo through his fucking arm. Yes, I believe the warden. The has warden a, has a tattoo uh, on his name, a tattoo warden. on his arm of a death cab for cutie lyric. God, and he wants to make fun of me all the time. Yeah. Uh, so if you see the warden in McCusker's, he has to see the tattoo. Yes. The... All right. So anyway, all right. all right. I think I hit the right button here for the electric chair. Here we go. We sentence you to death. 
Man, all right, so there's that. Uh, all right, man, so that is it for episode 39. If you like what you hear, do us a solid and follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Tell somebody about us or leave us a review. And if you want more of the music of Sub Pop Records, we publish a Spotify playlist with every episode. There's a link in our show notes. You can also check us out on social media. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We post there. You know, several times a week, and we love talking to all of our listeners. You can also visit us at prisonersofrockandroll.com or prisonersofrockandroll at gmail.com. And thanks for checking us out. We'll be back in two weeks with some more insight and entertainment. Yeah. All right, all right. Later on. Keep on rocking. Peace out. Oh, just a prison.